This episode of EMS One Stop is brought to you by Lexapol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit lexapol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. If it was that easy, we would have been done years ago. It's, uh, it's not. It's not at all easy to build a memorial in Washington, D.C. Hello and welcome to another edition of EMS One Stop. But as usual, I'm Rob Lawrence. And before we go any further, this is an audio podcast. However, if you could see the screen in front of me now, you will see some brightly coloured gentlemen because I am a fan of Norwich City Football Club in the UK. And we're about to face Liverpool in the FA Cup. And so the other two gentlemen are wearing their red Liverpool shirts. So my commiserations on being knocked out of the FA Cup shortly, gentlemen. Uh, but in the meantime, I need to introduce to you our guest today. Tim Perkins is from the Board of Directors of the National EMS Memorial Bike Ride. And Tony O'Brien is the Treasurer from the National EMS Memorial Foundation. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's great to be here. So we spend a lot of time on this podcast and on others talking about leadership and how we lead and uh, you know, take care of our guys uh, on the ground, on the trucks. But of course, the thing that you guys are up to, and it's very important that we have this conversation, is memorialise, honour, and celebrate um, those that have departed us. And I think that's something that's very worth talking about. So first of all, let's talk about the two organisations that you guys represent. So let's go to you first, Tony, and uh, talk to us a little bit and uh, explain the backstory for the National EMS Memorial Foundation. Sure, sure. Um... I just like to say it was a very bold prediction about us being knocked out the cup when we beat you 6 0 last time, but whatever, we'll leave that alone. Um, so, the National EMS Memorial Foundation is, uh, is an, an organization that has one mission and one mission only, and that is to establish a permanent EMS memorial in the nation's capital. Uh, similar to the police have their own memorial and the firefighters have their memorial, we don't have one. Uh, I think we can all agree that's a crying shame. So, in 2007, a bunch of uh, like-minded individuals from around the country got together and we decided that we would uh, form an organization that would establish that permanent memorial in the nation's capital. So uh, since then, we've been working diligently towards that end. And um, in 2018, we had the law passed that was, uh, that was signed by the President of the United States after going through years and years of congressional hearings and subcommittee hearings at the Senate and so on and so forth with different committees. Um, it was a bipartisan bill, which was unusual for that year, 2018, and it was the only unanimously passed bill in the Congress that went to the President's desk and was signed into law. So now we are officially authorised to build a memorial, and that opens up a whole new bunch of doors for us that we've been jumping through for the last couple of years. So let's pick up some of those uh, to-dos in a minute. And for those that are listening, and if you've never met or heard of Tony before, you can understand that he is a fellow Brit. Uh, I think we are leading the charge uh, across here in the U.S., uh, but also not from Liverpool, but actually a massive Liverpool uh, fan. And a, it has been said he is the fifth Beatle. Tim Perkins, talk to us about the National EMS Memorial Bike Ride. Uh, if I'm the fifth Beatle, then I think I'm entitled to some royalties. Um, I think I can best be described as an Anglophile with a definite affinity for, for Liverpool because of, of the Fab Four. And and uh, actually, Tony, is, is I've... Definitely described him as my fifth favorite Liverpoolian. So 
uh, it's uh, it's great to to be able to chat with y'all this afternoon. Um, the bike ride has been around for a bit longer. Um, it started in the early 2000s as just a group of guys who wanted to do something uh, significant to honor folks that had died in the line of duty. Um, some FDNY guys from New York uh, decided that, the, as the Queen song goes, get on their bikes and ride. And they rode all the way to Roanoke, Virginia, where the memorial service was being held at the time. And um, in 2020 was actually the, the 20th anniversary of the bike ride. And um, I've been involved with the ride since 2008. Um, it's been amazing for me personally. Um, I've often said it's one of my most rewarding things I've done in EMS as a whole. Um, the ride has has grown from the one the one route that is known as the East Coast route to now um, there are actually six routes uh, throughout the throughout the year. Uh, the East Coast route, the Southern route, the Midwest route, the Colorado route, the West Coast route, and then uh, last year was the first year of the the weekend of honor ride, uh, which is a one day ride. And, and I can get into the specifics of that, but the, the values and the mission of, of the bike ride closely align with that of the foundation, which is to honor those who have died in the line of duty, those who become sick and injured while performing duties in, in EMS and those who have had a significant impact on the EMS system. And I can, I can say without any hesitation that the past few years have been truly, truly spectacular and that the, the bonds between the organizations, uh, you know, the EMS Foundation, that uh, the Memorial Foundation that Tony's talked about and the bike ride and the service have really made concerted efforts to kind of go forward with a common goal, which is to you know, have a permanent memorial sitting, sitting in Washington, D.C. It's, it's exciting. It's been exciting for a long time and it's, it's just amazing. So let's go back to you, Tony, because clearly you're taking the honour on the road, Tim. But Tony, we want to put up a, mo a memorial in the centre of our our nation's capital. Um, is it just a matter of going to pick a spot, planting an X on it, and then going from there? Or what's how do you do even do that? I wish. If it was that easy, we would have been done years ago. It's, uh, it's not. It's not at all easy to build a memorial in Washington, D.C., and um, <clears throat> far more difficult than I had ever imagined, but it's, uh, it, it should be, right? You don't, don't want every Tom, Dick and Harry throwing a memorial up on a corner in, in the capital. You know, it's a, it's a prestigious location and it's, um, it's a protected location. It's protected by statute, so you can't just go build, you know. Uh, so there's, a, there's a thing called the Commemorative Works Act. And as I mentioned earlier, getting to the point where it was signed into law that we could do it, uh, that took years in and of itself. But then when you get to that point, then you're bound by the Commemorative Works Act, the CWA, and that has 24 steps. And each one of those steps has multiple layers that include congressional, not congressional, I'm sorry, but um, like the National Park Service, the Committee on Fine Arts, Commission of Fine Arts, National Capital Planning Committee. You have to go and testify before each and every one of these. Um, and that's, you know, where everybody involved in the Memorial Foundation is a volunteer and we're all EMS guys. We're not, you know, we're not city planners and, and architects and engineers and stuff. So there's a... There's a process that, that is cumbersome and uh, very, very labor intensive, but uh, we're, we're, we're tracking along. It's actually, um, we're, in, we're in like step up. We're about halfway through right now of those 24 steps. So in terms of those steps, I, I understand you had to take physical steps and walk around and work out where the memorial may go. Is that right? That's exactly right. Yeah. The, um, the original list was 312 sites. 
um, <clears throat> after meeting with the National Capital Planning Committee uh, early on, we got it down to just over 100 sites. Then we hired a consulting firm who are, um, they're the, the preeminent firm in this business. That any memorial that's built, been built in DC over the last 100 years has, has been done by these guys. And uh, they helped us narrow that down to 25. We took those 25 and we went and testified before all these different committees again about the pros and cons of each of them. You have to think about noise pollution, environmental impact, traffic flow, you know, um, prominence. Like we don't want it just tucked away in some corner down an alley. You know, we want it to be seen. It's a national memorial. So, uh, yeah. So being... let, let me come back to you on that one then. So, I mean, obviously not everyone can have a memorial on the National Mall, but what's the kind of geographic spread of the, you know, the spots that you've narrowed this down to? Where are we talking about in DC? So the mall is actually, um, the mall is, it's called, it's classified as area A and you cannot build on a mall anymore. Uh, you can, you can, but you need an additional act of Congress, which would be another 10, 15 years, who knows, you know? So it's, it's off the actual mall itself. You can, you can look on the, uh, on the website and see what what the what the the buildable zones are um, so it's just off the mall so we're down from those 25 we're down to three we're down to three sites that we have uh, we've locked in on and they all meet the criteria they're now subject to further evaluation now they're getting the environmental environmental impact studies and all that kind of stuff you know and uh, more testimonies before people who run that particular plot of land some of its national park service some of its gsa so you know so we're down to three which is better than 312. <laughs> it is. So so those are the sites we've narrowed it down to. In terms of the monument itself, what do you guys envisage it will actually look like? That's a very common question, and it's one that's uh, it's difficult to give a, a, a satisfactory answer to this, right? I have my idea what it's going to look like. I'm sure you have an idea, you know, and, and everyone would think, well, you know, some people like statues, some people like walls, whatever. Some people like water features. We found out very early on in the process, a lot of people who failed in the process showed up with blueprints, and they said, this is what we want it to look like. And then when you go before those committees, it's set by committee, right? So we don't have an idea of, we can, I, I couldn't tell you now what this thing is going to look like. I can tell you it's going to be spectacular. I can tell you it's going to give the solace that the family members need, and it's going to give the inspiration that EMS providers need um, and all the other things that we're rooting for here, but uh, no idea what it's going to look like because the design is going to be dependent on the site and the site is going to be dependent on these hearings and how oh, it's... Uh, it's not, it's not a good answer, but it's the, it's the truth of the matter. No, no, and thank you for that. So do you think there will come a time where you'll be going out to ask folk for ideas about how they think it should look? And ask the community how they – and again, you're quite right. This is, a, this is about paying solid solace, homage uh, to, the, to the, those that we've lost and obviously a comfort to the families of those that we've lost – do you envisage going out and saying, hey, you know, give us, let's have a, almost a design, I hate to say competition, but you know what I mean, having a, yeah. you know, suggestions for designs perhaps? There have been um, efforts of that nature in the past with memorial um, propositions, and some of them have worked out fantastically, and some of them have worked out really, ended up in, in really coarse legal battles between the parties. Um, so there's going to be input for sure from the community, from all, all of the community, meaning, and there's already been some, some interviews have taken place with members of the public who've been affected by EMS, members who've lost, uh, family members who've lost loved ones, co-workers, you know, stuff of that nature, uh, regular EMS folks on the street. And it's all going to be, you know, all that stuff is put into a pile, it's going to be moulded into something that's, uh, something that's acceptable to everybody. Final question before I uh, let you off the hook for a second and go back to Tim, but I'm going to ask what I think is probably the million dollar question, could even be the multi-million dollar question. I mean, uh, how much does it cost to put something up wherever we decide to put it? I mean, this could be, you know, a, a, give us a ballpark idea. 
That's another one of those questions, right? It depends on where we, we build We ask the good questions on this podcast. Yeah, you, you do. You, you're, you're banging them out of the pack. Um, so it, it, it's another, it depends. Um, I can tell you, so we don't know where it's going to be. That's going to affect the cost. We don't you right. know this site because does that site needs to be strengthened? Does that site need to be modified? Whatever is this existing structure mm. you know, and we don't know what it's going to look like. It could be 5,000 tons of granite or it could be one big glass thing, you know? So the cost yeah. will be dependent on, on final site selection and final design um, approval. I can tell you, in look, we've done a lot of research on all the existing memorials and the memorials that are in process at the moment, like the Desert Storm Memorial is undergoing its uh, its final its final uh, leg now, and um, yeah, it's it's millions, it's multiple multiple millions of dollars. There's nothing there. The most modest one that I've seen in recent history was a very modest memorial, and that was eleven million dollars. And I was just going to be hasten to say. Sure, and, and, and we'll come back at the end and work out how people can get in touch, how people can donate, how they can contribute, and how, can, how they can assist. Tim, let's go back to you, mate, and uh, talk about the bike ride itself. So do you have to be super-duper fit to do this? What, what's the requisites to actually join the bike ride, in, if, if you're minded to? How does it all work? So the cool thing is is that, that um, the, the ride is set up for people who want to be involved but haven't ever pedaled, you know, since they were kids or people who are weekend warriors or, you know, people who are really dedicated. I, I can tell you that, that there are people who have joined us on the bike ride who, you know, hadn't really ever had a whole lot of experience with, with distance riding and, and just fell in love with it, me being one of them. And there are people who join us who literally, you know, pedal thousands of miles a year. Um, it's, it's set up for, for any and all. Um, if you want to pedal five miles a day for the week or pe- pedal, you know, 50 miles a day for the week, as many as, as you want, you can do. There's a support system. We have people who uh, do, do ride support, which is incredibly important that transport people and bikes and set up meal stops and rest stops and water stops. And, and the, the way it's all set up is, you know, if, if you're fit and you want to pedal, go right ahead. If you don't want to pedal and you still want to support the cause and be part of the support uh, crew, you're, you're welcome to do that as well. We have people who mark the routes in the morning so that the riders know where to go. We have people who drive 26 foot moving trucks, you know, with bicycles and luggage from point A to point B. And then we have people who, you know, get on bikes and pedal. Uh, usually it averages 60 to, 60 to 80 miles a day through some of the most beautiful parts of this country that, that I personally can tell you that I've ever seen. Um, I, for many years, have been warmly greeted in Boston by my friend, Mr. O'Brien, who's, who's on the podcast with us this afternoon. And, and um, it's just, uh, like I said, it's just an, an incredible experience. Um, getting bit by the bike ride bug is a lot like getting bit by the EMS bug. Um, once you're once you're in it, it's it's so hard to step away, and um, it's 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 just an incredible experience. I can't I can't stress it enough. It's just it's amazing. I've actually seen the uh, bike ride in action, both the East Coast ride and the West Coast ride. And uh, first of all, a shout out to Jill Scadden, who organises the West Coast ride. And I, I saw them one one day coming out of Tahoe, and I'm thinking this will be fun to do once you got to the top of the mountain. And you're then heading down the other side because, uh, yeah, they look puffed, let me tell you. But all, but but in all seriousness, coming back to the East Coast, of course, you'll remember that uh, we put on a, a sort of, as an EMS agency down in Richmond, we put on support to receive the bike riders they arrived, obviously came down with you guys to the state capital where you went through the ceremony. 
and so Tim, tell us about what happens when you get to your the sort of end of day location. What happens? So it, it really depends on on the day and and where you stop. There have been days where we get off our bikes at a at a certain place, and you know, or excuse me, at a hotel or wherever, and we just kind of get off our bikes for the day. There have been times where we've ended the day at uh, at a station or a, a fire department or an EMS squad building where they've had a they've had a, a line of duty death, and we we actually do a ceremony there at least once a day. We read the names of the people that we're riding for. Um, so it, it really varies by day, location. Obviously, at the end of, of the last day, there's something more formal. Um, but um, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of emotion to the ride. There's a lot of um, I'm, I'm going to use this term. I can't think of a better way to say it other than to say this. There's there's a good bit of, of pomp and circumstance, but it's but it's warranted. Um, you know, it's it's very it's very emotional. It's very charged and and it's it's appropriate for the people that that we're riding for for sure i, I gotta say as a brit and tony you may agree with this that as a brit living in america i think you know you the americans do the ceremony very very well honor those that are departed exceptionally superbly with amazing reverence and you know and i think you know we could learn something from that actually in terms of you know sort of line of duty deaths but also but since COVID has struck, I was looking at the Office of EMS stats this morning, and I think we're up to about 95 EMS line of duty deaths since the pandemic has begun. And of course, that is uh, you know, a, a sad, sad loss. Um, and so that means, you know, once you get there, Tony, yet more names to add. What can people do, Tony, in terms of helping out? What, what do you need? Well, um, this is going to help greatly, I think, because, uh, you know, a lot of people are unaware that we don't have a memorial or 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 under the opinion that we do have a memorial already. Um, so spreading the word is massive. Uh, so doing some of these things is going to help out, you know, and I appreciate you helping us spread the message here, Rob. Uh, we have social media, you know, everyone's on the Twitters and the Instagrams and Facebook and whatnot. It's uh, at EMS Memorial. Like it, share it, let people know the effort is underway. And uh, obviously, you know, the all the all encompassing donations, you know, uh, we have on, you'll notice that, on every page of the website, there's an opportunity for you to donate. Uh, and that's not by mistake. You know, we're going to need a lot of money. It's uh, under the law. We're not allowed any federal grants. We're not allowed it at all. It has to be, we're going to completely rely on donations to get this thing done. And as I said earlier, it's going to be a, a heavy lift, you know. But um, our experience through the Congress and, and uh, you know, through, through the Senate with the passing of the bill that there was no opposition to this. I don't think anybody is opposed to this. And uh, I think, you know, People are in different circumstances and all, but there's no donation that's too small. If someone can throw a couple of bucks in there or five, ten, whatever, it's all going to help out, you know? Excellent. And so how long, this is the piece of string question, and you're going to give me a piece of string answer, I know, but uh, when do you think you're going to eventually cross the finish line with this complete? So the Commemorative Works Act has a definitive timeline. You're allowed, okay. you're allowed to, you're not allowed, you're not allowed to get your permit your construction permit to break ground until your fundraising is complete and your fundraising has to be 110 percent of the cost because 10 percent goes to the national park service for perpetual maintenance forever um, which is a good thing but it's another 10 yeah. percent to raise you know but um so you have from the day the law is signed you have uh, it's seven years to get your permits you can get extensions and a lot of memorials have had extensions we don't plan on getting an extension so hang on a second you've had the law signed though correct so remind us of when that was. The clock is ticking. That was in 2018. 
2018. So do you get any time off because of COVID or are you still on the clock and the clock's running down? So that's an interesting question. Uh, the government, you know, there were no hearings during COVID initially and then and then with the backlog of the Zoom. So there is there is a uh, there's a process that's being looked at right now to to add time onto the end of that clock. But if it, if it will be, it'll be a 12 month extension, um, which we which we won't apply for, you know, that would yeah. be that would, if this process goes through and it looks like it will, then we'll be uh, we'd be added on by one year. But we're, we're looking to get this thing done before the clock runs out. So theoretically, with an extension, we're looking at in the next four years. Correct. OK, yes, so there's a lot to do. And obviously there's a lot. You know, this is a big ask for people that want to support the uh, the memorial, either financially or indeed through, you know, being a member of the committee or indeed assisting with raising awareness. All those things we need people to do in order to help us all get this very important monument to us all across the finish line and constructed. That's right. Yeah. Cool. And there's just one thing, Rob, I want to mention. It's um, the, the memorial itself. You mentioned earlier more names to add. Um, you're not allowed to put names on memorials anymore. Oh, there we go. Didn't know that. Yeah, no, it's a, that's a part of this commemorative works. Like the last memorial that was allowed to have names was the Law Enforcement Memorial, and they got in right underneath the deadline of, of it passing. Mm. So they're the last ones. Um, and, you know, we thought about that, and my my idea of a memorial is you go and do the rubbing of the name of your loved one, you know? That's you know that's what I what I had in my mind originally. But uh, somebody told me that, you know, they saw a, an article on a gentleman who was at the Vietnam Memorial, and he was a Vietnam vet, he was a wounded vet, and he was at the memorial, but he's not memorialised. So it's it's the memorial that we're building won't be just to those who've sacrificed, you know, uh, line of duty deaths. It's going to be to the commitment, service, and sacrifice of all EMS providers. It's going to be with, with an emphasis on the memorial aspect of it, you know. But it's going to be for you. It's going to be for me. It's going to be for my family. Even if I don't pass away on the job, you know what I mean. It's it's memorializing EMS. So you, you've made two important points there. Then, so of course, this is for us all. Um, and no names on there. And, and, you know, in my mind's eye, I was thinking about, you know, the Vietnam Memorial, and you mentioned the Vietnam Memorial there. And I think everybody who's been to DC has visited that and just seen how impactful that is to see all of those names on there. Um, yeah. and, and, and I've watched a family of a veteran, you know, go up and, you know, place their hand on the on the engraved name of the person that you know, has been gone for, what, 40 or so years now. Yeah. Um, I guess the difference, though, is that in the Vietnam War, it's over. Right. right from our memorial, we continue and we'll continue ad infinitum, and Correct. you know, sadly, we will lose people because it's the nature of the beast, right? That's um, so. Uh, you know, I, I guess you we can't have we haven't got enough granite eventually to do this, that's, which is sad but true, perhaps. That's the purpose of it. I, I actually misspoke. You can build a memorial with someone's name on it, but that the last person being memorialized has to have been passed away for twenty five years. Oh, there we go. We're never going to get to that point, right? No, no, no. This is an ongoing thing. Yeah. Excellent point. Let's take a moment to pause for the mid-show read. Lexapol empowers first responders and public servants to best meet the needs of their residents safely and responsibly, serving more than 2 million public safety and government professionals in over 8,000 agencies and municipalities. Lexapol offers a range of solutions that includes policies, training, behavioural health resources, news and analysis, and grant assistance services for law enforcement, fire rescue, EMS, local government, and other agencies dedicated to public safety. To learn more, visit lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Just for a second, uh, make sure you follow us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or Spotify. And please uh, leave a review and a few stars on the platform that you are listening to us on. 
Coming back to you, Tim. So uh, what else can you tell us about the bike ride? So first of all, where can we go to find out some information about it? Uh, let me give you the website, nemsmbr.org, National EMS Memorial Bike Ride.org. Um, there's plenty of information on there. Rob, let me plug the routes for this year real quick before I Please do. Um, East Coast goes from Boston, Massachusetts, home of one Tony O'Brien, or workplace of one Tony O'Brien. Uh, May 21 to 27, they'll be ending in Baltimore, Maryland this year. The Southern route is May 22nd to 28th. Fayetteville, North Carolina to Williamsburg, Virginia. The Midwest ride is June 20 to 25. It starts in St. Paul, Minnesota, and it goes to Chicago, Illinois. The Colorado ride is September 11 through 16. goes from Snowmass, Colorado to Littleton, Colorado. The West Coast ride is September 19 through 24 from Reno, Nevada to San Francisco, California. As Rob said, it does go around Lake Tahoe. And then you got to get uh, up and over that mountain. I've seen it. Good luck. Uh, And then last year we added uh, what we call the weekend of honor ride. It goes along with the actual memorial service. This year it'll be July 22nd in Crystal City, Virginia. Starts at the host hotel for the service. Uh, Goes out 40 miles, turns around and comes back. I've ridden um, four of those routes in my time on the bike ride. I can tell you all that that they're amazing. There is no better way to see the United States than on two wheels, just the highways and byways of of every state. It's just, it's so incredible. As Tony mentioned, the bike ride is a willing and happy and fortunate partner with, with the foundation. Part of our goal is to help the foundation get to their goal. And we are, as, a, as I said, it's been a happy partnership and and Tony has been an amazing supporter of, of the ride and especially getting uh, the ride moving out of Boston on, on day one. And uh, it's just, it's been incredible. I can tell you a few years ago, um, we started in Boston only a few weeks after the Boston Marathon bombings. And we actually started at the, at the finish line of the, of the, of the uh, marathon. And it was just incredible. You know, the building still had windows broken and, you know, there was still a lot of effects from the, from the bombing. And it was just, it was so emotional to be there and, and kudos to Tony for helping to make that happen that year. Like I said, we just had incredible partnerships with the foundation and, you know, we're all heading towards the same goal and and the bike ride is, is happy to assist the foundation in, in making that permanent memorial in dc possible for sure so guys are there any questions i haven't asked you and any information you want to give me uh tim yeah i also wanted to mention um the bike ride is is also has a, a strong social media presence we're on facebook instagram twitter um there's a lot of great information on on those outlets as well as uh, as our website and we talked about covid um briefly i can tell you that that between the folks that we've lost due to covid and the gap in the year that, you know, we had a virtual ride in 2020 where people kind of rode on their own. There was a significant addition to the list of people that we rode for last year. Um, and I'll mention one in particular, there was a gentleman named Brad Blackman, who uh, Tony remembers really well, very tall, extremely bald, really, you know, interesting guy, um, worked in Pennsylvania, got COVID and, and couldn't shake it and unfortunately passed away from it. Um, and it's, you know, it's the memories of, of those people that they, it tears it at every, you know, heartstring you have, and it makes it, you know, just so worthwhile and, and rewarding to know that, you know, you're riding in the honor of that, of that particular person and those, you know, particular people, as I've, as I've said so many times on this podcast, it's just, it's, it's incredible and it's emotional. And that's, you know, that's why I keep coming back every year. 
Well said, mate. Any other information that we need to know, Tony? Well, first of all, the website is just www.emsmemorial.org. And uh, you can find out, all, like I was saying, about these steps in the process and where we're at and what we've got to do. That's all on there. You can see who's on the board. Um, you can see, you know, there's a chronological, what we've done so far kind of thing. So you can hit the, the website will be good. Uh, social media is at EMS Memorial. And uh, just to piggyback on what Tim was saying about the, the similarities between the organizations, the, the bike ride is older than the foundation. The guy who had the idea to jump on a bike and head down to Roanoke, DC, was a Boston EMT, uh, Jamie Orsino. And that guy is now the vice president of the Memorial Foundation. So we are, we are inextricably linked. Um, I rode my bike. Tim said earlier, it gets you, it catches you. It's like the EMS bug. And once you ride your bike, you'll never want to get off it. Well, I rode mine in 2003 from Boston to Roanoke, and I've never been on a bike since. So <laughs> got to disagree <laughs> on that one. But, uh, but yeah, I was a wingman. I was a support guy for the ride in uh, 2001. I was started in 2002. I didn't go in 2001. 2002, 2003, I rode. And... Uh, and as Tim was saying, you know, the bike ride being being a supporter of the effort to establish a memorial, I can think of no no greater testimony than that than the bike ride actually donated forty five thousand dollars to the Memorial Foundation, um, which is a massive massive show of support. So there's no question that uh, even though people confuse some of the organisations with each other and you know with these guys, those guys, and all, we do have a common a commonality, which is um, you know memorialising the EMS personnel um, who've been you know who do the job who get sick or injured or who unfortunately pass away. For the moment, thank you all very much for coming. Uh, all of the email links, all of the uh, Facebook, all of the uh, Twitter handles will be in the show notes. So if you didn't get a chance to write them all down, then uh, you can catch it all there. Um, in the meantime, you can keep up with me on Twitter at UKRobL1 or over on LinkedIn. Um, Tony, how can we get in touch with you personally if we need to talk to you? Uh, you can email me. It's uh, Tony at emsmemorial.org. And Tim, if we want to get in touch with you to talk about uh, the EMS Memorial Bike Ride outside of the website, how do we find you? So to contact uh, folks from the EMS Memorial Bike Ride, there is a, a contact this link on the website and, and your questions or queries will be directed uh, accordingly. Um, I just wanted to take a quick second to thank you, Rob, for, for having, having me on the podcast. It's, it's been great. Um, I love talking to people about the bike ride. I love advocating for the bike ride. I love advocating for what the mission is and and as well, as much as Tony will let me, I, I love to advocate for the foundation as well. I'm excited for a time where we see a, a permanent memorial on the grounds in DC where we can actually point to something and say, you know, I had a hand in making this. I'm not taking credit for it, but it, you know, it fulfills all of us to know that we had a part in what is going to come and what's going to be a beautiful, amazing thing for people to come and see just like the Vietnam Memorial, just like the World War II Memorial, the Korean War Memorial, all those different memorials. It's going to be great for EMS to say we have our own memorial as well. I don't think we can top that, Tim. Thank you very much. So, well, I just want to say before we go, and I just want to remind you, Tim, that this has now gone full circle because when I arrived in the US 13 years ago to uh, go to the Richmond Ambulance Authority, this bloke called Tim Perkins showed up with a microphone and thrust it in my face and went, hey, I'm, I'm a podcaster. And I went, a pod what? And now we've gone full circle. The circle is now closed. That's yeah. you go. Podcasting is is a heck of a lot of fun, but as you know, it's a it's a heck of a lot of work. Editing is is 
fun, but it's also not fun. It takes up a lot of your time. I was just thinking that this has been this is my first exposure to podcasts, and I've been petrified for a week. But it's been such a such a joy, just like because just talking to two mates, you know what I mean? Because I know you both and you both great, yep. so it's easy. it's not it's a it's a great introduction to the to the life for me. Yep. <laughs> so well, I, I'm going to rename my podcast Three Blokes in the Pub." How's that? Would that make you feel any better? <laughs> That's a good one. Okay, well, you've been listening to Three Blokes in a Pub. I've been Rob Lawrence, and until next time, bye for now. 